Good morning. I'm Joanna Roach, and you are listening to The Nature of Nantucket, brought to you by the Mariah Mitchell Association. I am here today with Dr. Amy Henson, and we are going to talk a little bit about forensic science and her life on Nantucket. So welcome, Amy. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great. So let's start um, with a little bit about you and your your sort of Nantucket story. Like, where did you grow up? What brought you to Nantucket? Where'd you go to school? Like, how, how did it come to be that you're here? Yes, the Nantucket story is an, always an interesting one, no matter who you talk to. Um, I grew up in Ohio, northern Ohio, um, born and raised there, um, and moved away only after college. Um, and uh, after college at Marietta College in Marietta, Ohio, I went to um, Virginia Commonwealth University, the um, Medical College of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia, to do my um, graduate work. Um, I had studied biochemistry in college, and I went straight into a biochemistry um, molecular biophysics program at um, MCV in Richmond. And I spent five years there um, doing some independent research in the field of neuroscience, um, um, really specifically with neurodegenerative diseases. Um, and um, from there, I did a postdoctoral fellowship at Yale University, um, continuing with my neuroscience um, background and research. So really kind of an academic research by trade. Um, I um, met my husband um, at in, in medical school, and we subsequently married. He did a residency in Connecticut, moved to Georgia for a little while. Um, and then um, when his, um, his, his um, time in Georgia was finished, he was looking for a job, and the um, cottage hospital here recruited him. And so we came um, very, you know, with a, with a young family, two children, to Nantucket in um, um, 2001, actually. Um, and so he worked for the hospital for, for a, a quite some number of years. Um, we have since divorced, um, but in that time, um, we had and raised four children on Nantucket. And so I've been here since 2001. And my youngest is now a senior in high school and graduating this year. So, um, I mean, that's, that's really my Nantucket story. <laughs> um, I started teaching at Nantucket High School um, I believe it was in 2015 when my oldest son was a senior. And so I've been with my children through their high school experiences and um, just been teaching um, in the science department uh, ever since then. So it's kind okay. of my Nantucket story. <laughs> wow. And tell me a little bit about, what do you, tell me a little bit about your teaching life at Nantucket High School. So what, what do you teach and, and what's that like? Um, well, so, you know, it's funny. Um, I teach in the science department. When I first um, started teaching, I didn't have real teaching experience, especially not at the high school level, um, although my mother was a teacher. Um, and so I kind of feel like, you know, I kind of lived it naturally for a little while when I was growing up. Um, but when I first came, um, they handed me two textbooks and said, you'll be teaching anatomy and physiology. Um, both honors and CP level, and you'll be teaching forensic science. And that was what they gave me um, in August. And we started school at the end of August. Or in, and, and I kind of learned as I went. Um, I have a great department leader that's been with me the whole time that kind of helped me along. Um, and then the next year, um, we added biology so that I was able to teach biology. Um, but forensic science was one that was handed to me um, at the time. The superintendent said, I really want to teach this course. 
And at the time when I started here, um, it was a semester course, and I had about 12 students in each course. Um, and at the end of that first year, uh, I kind of was like, you know, there's a lot of content, and it's hard to squish it all into a semester. Could I make it a year-long course? And so they let me do that. And um, so for, for the last seven years, I've had um, a year-long course. So I basically went from 12 students per semester to last year, I had over 90 students in four sections for four, you know, for, for, for a year-long course. Um, so, um, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of interest in this. Yeah. So, I mean, that really brings us to like probably the, the, the depth of this conversation, right? <laughs> Which is what is forensic science and why is it important? So, I mean, that's that's the funny thing is when I started, I didn't know anything about it either, honestly. But forensic science is basically just science um, applied to matters of the law. So science used in courtrooms, basically. So it's still just science, um, but it is um, it's it has to do with applying it to matters of law. And so the interesting thing about it is what what can you do in a courtroom? What can't you do in a courtroom? Um, and so there's there's definitely a nuance to it. And any time that, you know, lawyers and the law gets involved, um, you know, things can be um, manipulated by language and wording so that it tends to look like maybe not as sciencey as it actually is. So, okay. so let's talk a little bit about in, in terms of what you're teaching at the high school level, what makes this attractive to kids? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, just the name and just the content, you know, everybody's like, Oh, that sounds cool. You know, I mean, just like, just like everybody else it's like, Oh, that's really cool. Because, um, because so many of the of the TV shows and movies now and documentaries that we're seeing um, really have kind of taken hold with everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of students, you know, find that really fascinating and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think it just becomes, um, well, first of all, it's actually only open to juniors and seniors as well. So once they've finished their, their you know, their core courses, biology, chemistry, or anatomy, or environmental science or something, then they get to take this as an elective. Um, and so, you know, they are kind of ready for um, something that's not quite as structured and academic um, like this. But um, yeah, I think, I think students just really are um, attracted to the topic because of what they've seen in the media, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly fictional, (laughs) historical fiction, let's say. Yeah. So what are some of the things they might learn in your class? So um, we, we obviously cover most of, of the, the hot topics, um, but we start with introduction and sort of the history of forensics. And a, a lot of students are um, somewhat surprised to find that it's, it's really something that has been around for centuries. Um, and we talk about kind of like how it has these, um, these periods in history that are somewhat explosive in that, oh, here's, you know, new research or new techniques or new things. Um, one of the first of those was in the mid 1800s when you have like the, um, the onslaught of, of um, um, guns, ballistics, um, and you can kind of trace things back. Um, we talk about history of fingerprints and measurements and, um, you know, things like that. We start with that um, and we move into um, um, a little bit of the law, civil law and criminal law and, you know, the, sort of the, the process of, you know, finding um, a suspect and actually um, going through an arraignment and indictment, things like that, what those words mean. And then that really flows nicely into um, evidence. We talk about types of evidence, what constitutes evidence, what doesn't, um, you know, chain of custody in terms of, you know, who has who has 
um, the possession of the evidence. And if it's not recorded properly, then that evidence is, you know, rendered useless in the courtroom. Um, things like um, polygraph tests that aren't, you know, we talk about the science behind it and the non-science behind it and why they're not um, admissible in court. Um, and then we really move into actually studying um, crime scenes um, and actually the, 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 process of going through a crime scene, what must have happened, like, um, you know, sort of, this is your primary crime scene, this is your secondary crime scene, um, each scene needs to be processed by a different team of people, and these are the steps that need to be taken, you need to separate the witnesses, you need to, you know, um, uh, make sure that you're collecting and preserving all the right evidence, you get a photographer, you get a sketch, um, and all of that, um, you know, so though it's the actual steps of things that, that need to happen. And we tend to use case studies um, a lot um, in, in terms of either how to do something properly or how what happens if you don't do it properly. Um, and so that's part of it. And then from there, we just move into actually analyzing different types of evidence like fingerprints, um, DNA, blood, hair, fibers, um, you know, glass, soil, pollen, you know, entomology with the bugs. So we tend to then just kind of go back and break it down and they start to learn some techniques and some, you know, some special um, information about each of the types of evidence. Wow. That's I, a lot. <laughs> you know, that's really in depth. What a fantastic experience for these yeah. students. So, um, and, and then where does it often take them? Do you have students coming out of these classes who, you know, want to become investigators or go to the FBI or, or like, what's that experience? been? Like? I actually have had quite a few students um, that have gone into either criminology or into, um, you know, law enforcement type, you know, but more investigative stuff. Um, we also have a course here um, that, um, runs alongside, um, um, which is criminal justice. And so a lot of kids will take those two together um, so that they can, they can kind of follow along. But I have had, I've had a lot of kids. Um, I mean, a lot, meaning maybe, you know, 12 to 15 over the years that actually go into this field. So it's kind of satisfying. Yeah. That's really great, Amy. Uh, so when you were talking, I was kind of thinking about a couple of things that I thought would be interesting to talk about a little deeper. Um, one of which is, I mean, actually really both of them, you're right, they're, they're highly sort of dramatized um, mm -hmm. on mainstream media. So like chain of evidence and mm -hmm. also crime scene processing. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you, you know, listen to the news on any given day, these are two things that are probably really important for most people to understand, right? Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how do you establish a chain of evidence and where does that start and what are maybe the important points for someone to understand about that process? Sure. Um, so the, the chain of chain of evidence or chain of custody really is um, just starts at the crime scene where you actually, you know, are, are collecting and preserving properly that evidence. And so one of the things we talk about in class is if you have, let's say, um, a bloody shirt, um, you don't take that bloody shirt and put it in a plastic Ziploc bag. You put it in a paper bag because if it's in a plastic Ziploc bag, it will then just condense and it will get moldy and, and you'll lose all of your evidence. And so the, the proper packaging is where it starts collecting and packaging. But then from there, it it's also about preserving it and making sure that it stays with all of the other evidence and that it's documented properly in terms of storage and, you know, that it's um, in that place, wherever it is in that, in that station or in that, that, you know, that building um, that is monitored um, so that when somebody else wants to come and take that out, that it's monitored, signed out, all the documentation is done. And the same thing when it's returned. 
Um, and so that really looks a lot like what you would see in, you know, any kind of, um, you know, TV movie, you know, any documentary, anything like that. It is very much, it's like, basically you're going to the basement, you're pulling out a box of stuff and they keep it for as long as the case is, is either act, you know, is active, honestly. Um, even if it's kind of run cold, they keep that evidence. And if it's preserved properly, um, then, and, and the chain of custody is followed, then that evidence is, you know, useful until the case is closed. So, um, and then in terms of crime scene processing, I mean, just in terms of actually following the steps there, um, you know, I think this is the one example that I tend to show a couple of cases um, as examples of what not to do. Um, and when we do, when we study that, what you end up seeing is that things like um, um personal advancement for things like district attorneys, um, they tend to sometimes want to um, sort of mold the evidence to make it really go toward the person they want it to go to, because then they can get an easy conviction and it makes it look like they're doing their job properly. So we have a good discussion on ethics there as well. Um, and also media involvement, because once the media gets hold of something, um, and we've all seen this before, but the general public then shifts their belief toward one way or another. Um, and that can be also a problem. Um, and it's strange to think about that in terms of processing the crime scene, but that is, um, those are two things that really um, can really you know, put a glitch in doing it properly. And one of the, the, the cases that we, that we look at is in the OJ Simpson case. Um, and it was from that particular case that a lot of our crime scene processing steps came from like, all right, here's your protocol now, because here's what you didn't do right in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, of course, nobody's ever been convicted for for that, for those two murders, let's say so. Right. But of course, everybody knows because there was that was so widely published. Well, but there were other suspects that actually were never investigated. So um, it's it's an interesting one. The students really like that one. I um, bet. Yeah, That's totally interesting. So, do you um, ever consult on projects? Right? Does the Nantucket Police Department like call you up and say, "Can we bring you in, Doctor Henson?" No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know that I'm, I don't think I'm needed for sure. But um, you know. Um, First of all, we don't have that many, thankfully, right. that many crimes. Um, but I do have one one funny little story. Well, it's not actually funny, but sort of an anecdotal story. But um, several years ago, back in 2017, um, my cottage on my property was um, the subject of arson. And um, it was kind of cool to to be able to help them just in because it was my property. But I had a video and I said, no, this is where it started. And we had sort of a nice little conversation um, about accelerant and things like that. And I actually was um, was present when the um, state arson team came to process um, my crime scene. <laughs> so it was interesting. Wow. Yeah. So I guess the question, next question really is, where do you think this field of science is going to go? Right? Like, what do you think like the next level of forensics is at? Oh, I mean, gosh. Is it, it, AI? Is with it, so with many things. Genetics? Yeah, with so many things. Um, you know, I'm still, I haven't really sort of gone into the AI sort of, I haven't gone down that path yet. Um, I'm a little afraid of what I, you know, what it, what, what it might do. I think there's some good things, but, you know, just, just in terms of the science behind it, it's really, um, there's so many things. Um, for example, um, you know, when we think of picking up fingerprints, we think of like just looking at the ridge patterns and stuff like that. But as, as science begins, uh, advances in terms of being able to, um, to, 
pick up smaller and smaller bits as we as it becomes more sensitive, um, what they can do now is from a fingerprint, we can actually, I say they, we, but um, pick up uh, metabolites um, from, from inside your body. So, you know, uh, have you been taking any medications? Are you, you know, have you been taking any illicit drugs? Um, what did you, what were you picking up? Um, there's a case, a very famous case um, where they were able to um, pick up on, on a particular rapist just based on um, the, the residue of lubricant left behind in the fingerprint. Um, and so, you know, uh, that overlaid with the two suspects that they had, they were able to say this one, you know, had this brand of condom, for example, in his pocket, and this one did not. And so um, there's, there's some sensitivities to it, and also sensitivities um, in terms of picking up um, DNA samples from a single cell. So, um, but AI, I'm not sure. I, I, that's actually a really good question. Um, and I might have to look into that before the semester ends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious with all of the, you know, sort of publicity that all the AI applications are getting. Yeah. I'm just curious as, as if this will become like a tool kind of on, on this frontier, I, so to I, speak. I think probably the answer would be yes. But I will say too, that, you know, just as a scientist, um, as a whole, as a group, we're pretty, um, skeptical to actually put a lot of faith into that still we're still kind of hardcore like pencil to paper kind of kind of people you know yes i i appreciate that i appreciate that so you are doing a talk for us uh next mm -hmm. wednesday night and you are going to be talking a little bit about the science behind forensic science Yep. And so I'm uh, sharing that with our listeners. I uh, hope that they can join us. You can register on Zoom at the MariahMitchell.org website. And uh, really, Amy, this is all very fascinating. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very right. welcome. Is there any sort of uh, teaser you would like to say about your talk next week? Um, I mean, honestly, the science behind forensic science does get lost a lot of times um, when we when we watch a lot of our, our TV shows, even if it's just a even if it's a fictional um, or non-fictional documentary. Um, so I tend to talk about the CSI effect. Um, so <laughs> maybe you can come and find out what the CSI effect is. Okay, I love that. That's great. All right. If you have been listening, I'm Joanna Roach. I'm with the Mariah Mitchell Association. You're, you are listening to The Nature of Nantucket, our podcast, and we've been speaking with Dr. Amy Henson. And thanks, Amy. We'll see you next Wednesday. You're welcome. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Bye.